no pressure there. Thanks, Christian and Sue. Um, man, what a culture of honor that has been laid into the foundations of this church, and we're thankful to be here. Uh, your people are loving us well, so um, you guys just sit back and enjoy that baby, and hopefully we'll go see you for lunch after. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Vanessa. Um, I'm glad she took off her mask so you guys can see that that's true. Um, <laughs> but um, I would love for her to share first before I, I get into what I feel like the Lord has given me for this morning. Uh, but here you go. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, I asked the Lord, you know, sometimes I feel like kind of empty. You know, I'm busy with the kids and the responsibilities of life. And and then, you know, on the schedule and um, there's this thing where we, we're going to go and encourage and love on others. <laughs> Um, and so I said to the Lord, Lord, all I have to offer is love. And he says, Vanessa, that's all they really need is my love for them. And so I want to remind you of how much the Lord loves you and how much you are special to him. I got this picture of, it's so strange because, you know, we, we travel from here to there and um, not often, but enough. And, um, you know, there's always something to give. And I, I got a picture of me holding this huge turquoise uh, bowl of fruit and the Lord says, I'm gonna, you're going to bring back fruit to your region and to your church when you come and visit. And so um, I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for blessing us today with just the love and the encouragement that has been given to us just within seconds of walking through the gate. And the last thing I want to do is just encourage you and remind you that there's others to come. That there's others out there outside these doors, outside the, outside the gates, that God is still expecting us to love and encourage into the kingdom to go out and snatch people from the hand of the enemy. Uh, restoration is known. Uh, we're spiritual marines. That's been spoken over us. We're, we're kind of stealthy. We go into the darkness and we just snatch people into the kingdom of God. And I just want to pray that over you, that you are aware of those around you, that God is still growing, that God is not a God who, who um, bows to the cultures around us and to, to the things that are attacking us or to the things that, the structure of men. God doesn't bow knee to that. We bow knee to God's kingdom. We bow knee to Christ himself, Christ alone. And he is still asked us to go out and to get and to gather and to bring Christ to, to people around us, to the nations, to our communities. And so I want to just pray that over you. Lord, I pray that you um, just open our minds, God, open our minds, eyes to see those around us who need you. Father, those who are in the dark still that you've been placing upon our hearts, Father, as we pray, as we sow seeds, God, as we water. But, Lord, I pray for a harvest. Father, I pray that this church grows uh, not because we want to be famous and we want to be this or that, but because uh, your love is being spread and your, and your love is given to people and people are accepting you as their personal Savior. They're bowing in need of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we desire more for this church. We desire opened eyes to see what is to come. Father, the bigger picture. Father, just avenues and ways, uh, back roads, instead of having to go through the main high roads that have been shut down through this, through this pandemic. Father, I pray for mountains to be climbed, repelled off of. God, whatever it is, rivers to be swam through. Whatever it is, God, we're not gonna we're not gonna have we're not gonna be confined by the things of this world any longer. We're gonna break through those things and we're gonna go forth and we're gonna bring the lost to a father, Abba, who loves them, a creator who has created them to be with him and 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 be in relationship with him. So Father, I breathe that over this. I breathe that over this community, I breathe that over this church now. God, free them for the captives, freedom for the captives to come. I pray God opened eyes in this next season. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's why she goes first. 
<laughs> so um, I'm Jody, and that's Vanessa. I, I was uh, blessed and cursed with a kind of funky name. I didn't know it was a cool name until I joined the military. So when I was in the Marines, I found out that Jody was, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a cool manly thing. But um, we have six kids. We, we live um, in Whittier now, but our church is in East Los Angeles where we uh, planted 11 years ago. We'll be celebrating 11 years in next month. We'll be celebrating 11 years. So um, our six kids story um, yeah, Christian and Sue, they definitely have uh, Mexican anointing because they're, they're, they're catching up to us. We, um, so we say we have, we have six kids, uh, four babies' daddies, and three babies' mamas. And so if you're a little bit confused, that's a common core equation. Um, we've, we have two batches. We have our first batch, uh, which are our, our natural children, and then we have uh, our second batch, which is our adopted children. So we've, we've adopted uh, three. Last one officially will be adopted next month, so just be praying that that closes soon. All the all the court dates and everything that that's happened have uh, backed all of that up. But her her name is uh, Raylene, but we are we're changing her name. Her name is going to be Macy Ray, uh, and Macy means a weapon. And so when you when you meet her, she you'll see she is a weapon. So we have Macy. Yeah, she she bites and she yeah she's that's yeah. Um, and uh, Mackenzie, she's our, our girl born, born of fire. She's eight. Uh, Judah is 11. Chloe is 21. Ezekiel is 19. And Jordan just turned 23. So, yeah, I know I don't look like I have six kids, but it's true. We have six kids. Um, people always ask me, how do you, you know, still look so good? And um, it, it's, it's only God. <laughs> but, Listen, we, we love this church. Um, we love this church. Just hearing some of, uh, of Christian's words, I mean, so honoring. But honestly, we, we look at what God has done and what God is doing, and there is just so much here. There is so much here with what God is doing through you and doing for you. And uh, uh, Christian and Sue, you guys have built so well with this team and with what God is doing. Um, I really felt like the Lord gave me a word for you that I wanted to give you before I get started. And that's really that the Lord wanted to give you guys some spiritual real estate. Some spiritual real estate. There's, there's going to be a footprint that this church has that is far greater than the, the area that you guys are operating in right now. And so the only way I can think about this is, I don't know if you guys are 80s people, but Michael Jackson's um, Billie Jean video. And like everywhere he took a step, that, that the, the floor started lighting up. I don't know if you remember that video. If you don't remember that video, go check it out on YouTube. Um, but everywhere he, he would he put his foot, like it would light up. And I really feel like that's the spiritual real estate God wants to give you. As you guys begin to step into places, the light of Jesus is going to be invading the darkness. And God is going to begin to expand what is happening here with Frontier. I mean, can you think about that prophetic name that the Lord has given you, Frontier? I mean, you guys are a pioneering people. And pioneering people can never become settlers, can never become settlers. There's this, there's this mandate, I think, prophetically over the life of this church to be on frontier and to tread your feet into new places. And so um, if we're spiritual Marines, then you guys are spiritual Marines with us. So 
Uh, I, I love that, um, that whole idea of Marines. And I know it's a little self-serving because I was a Marine. But it, it's, it's first to serve. We're the first to go in. That it, it just, there's this saying, and I really feel that this saying is for you. It, it's, it's send in the Marines. And I really believe it's going to be send in frontiers. They're going to get the job done for Jesus in the arenas that God's calling you to. Um, this morning, I want to talk about, see how much time I got. All right. I want to talk about um, the priesthood. Can you guys say priesthood? When I, when I, if I ask you to repeat something, it's just something I normally do to just keep us all on the same page. But it helps me keep track because I'm scatterbrained. So um, the priesthood. I think we speak about the priesthood often in the church, and we really love the, the idea, and we love the benefits of the priesthood. But I wonder how many of us really think about the price of the priesthood. I wonder how many of us really think about the, the responsibility of the priesthood. And when I, when I speak about the priesthood, what I'm speaking about is that priesthood of all believers to where because after what Jesus accomplished on the cross and we know that the veil temple was, uh, the, the curtain in the temple was torn and the Holy Spirit was unleashed upon all mankind and each and every one of us has been filled by the Spirit and we're able to, with the gifts that God has given us by his Spirit to operate in different arenas and, and we all have a place at the table. And each of us is equal in value. We, we might be different in function. But we, we're all able to, to priest in a way that the people of God weren't able to in, in the old covenant. And being able to do that in the new covenant is such a privilege. It's such a privilege. I love that, that men, women, and children get to, get to preach the gospel. Men, women, and children get to, get to prophesy and get to lay on of hands and get to do all of the things that God has, has commissioned us to do as a people. But there's also a price. There's a price to that. And I, and I just want to speak to us about two things in regards to, to the priesthood. The, the first thing um, is position. Can you say position? The second thing is posture. And can you say posture? All right. So let's get into some, some scripture. I'll try to land it with some cool points, and then we'll see if you guys um, are ready to go take on the world. Is that good? All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, can you say in love? He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in the beloved. We have been adopted into this family of God. We have been given position. We have been given a place by the Father. Romans 8, 16 says this, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're children of God. That means something. That means something. That means when people get saved, they get saved into something. I, I, I love the thing about the Marines. I'm going to say this quite a bit, just as ties in. Please don't think militant, just think identity. The Marines, when you sign up to be a Marine, you're not promised anything other than the fact that you get to be a Marine. If you looked at some of the way the other military 
advertises things. They promise benefits. They promise, you know, you know, you'll get this, you'll get that. The Marines offer nothing, but but you get to be a Marine at the end of this. <laughs> you you get an identity when when you graduate from boot camp. That's not to dismiss any soldiers or, or sailors, but it's this thing with God. We get to be children of God. Is there anything greater? Is there any better title that we get to, to wear? Is there, is there a better badge that we get to put on? Then, then I'm a son of God. That, that you ladies are a, a daughter of the king. Is there anything greater that we would want to aspire to? And this has all been paid for. This has all been given to us by the, by the grace of God and by his spirit. The spirit bears witness to this, that we are children of God. And if children, listen to this, friends, then we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and heirs of God with Christ. Provided, listen to this, friends, that we suffer with him in order order that we may also be glorified with him. There's a price for this position. And there was a price for this position. This position was given freely. And we accept it freely. But we walk it out with responsibility. We walk it out under the fear of who our Father is, knowing the price that was paid for us. This morning, I want to speak about position. I want to speak about posture. A few weeks back, um, I think Christian was speaking. Um, is this a place he normally speaks? So from this place, and um, I had to do a little bit of homework. I just want to know where you guys are at, which you, how you guys have been trekking along. I don't want to, you know, God has you guys in a stream. I'm not trying to break off in another lane. And he was speaking on identity with you guys. And I think identity is so important for the people of God, especially in a time like now. Especially in a time like now when the world is trying to tell us who we are and the enemy is trying to tell us who we are and our old man is trying to tell us who we are. God wants to remind us, remind us who we are as a people. We're the bride of Christ we are the body of Christ. We're followers of Jesus. We are people of the way. We are the army of God. We are a royal priesthood, also known as the priesthood of all believers. This is who we are. And it's not just who we are because those, those aren't just defining titles. Those are methods. When we think about the bride, there's a method to being a bride. When we think about the body, there's a method to being the body. When we think about the army, there's a method to being the army of God. When we think about, listen, friends, the priesthood, there's a method to being a priest in this beautiful thing that we call the family of God. I think when the pandemic hit, many churches went into panic. I mean, I know we did. It was, I mean, buildings shut down. I mean, we, 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 we were so panicked because everything revolved around that Sunday morning experience. We, we, we learned how top-heavy the church really was. When, when, when the few are serving and the few are preaching and the few are being used for upfront ministry or what other people would call set-apart ministry, it, 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 and we just realized how top-heavy we were. And then there began to be these beautiful things starting to take place. Do you remember when the pandemic first hit? Almost a year ago now. Man, neighborly love was at an all-time high. 
I mean, people were, I mean, pe- neighbors you never knew, you finally met. Uh, people were trying to share, and, and, and we were going to the store on behalf of others, and, and not just in the church. I'm talking our neighborhoods and our communities. I mean, neighborly love was at an all-time high. And then somehow, through the political climate and everything else that went on, the, the, the division began to set in because the devil loves to destroy unity. The devil loves to destroy this God-given mandate to love your neighbors. I love the prophetic word before we started this time. The two of the greatest commandments, to love God and to love others as as you love yourself. I'm telling you, if we got those two things right, the church would be powerful. I love how Jesus made things Sesame Street for us. Just being able to, to learn the simple things and being great at the simple things and watching God do the marvelous, right? So in this pandemic, it, I really think that the church got exposed, right? Uh, the Sunday morning became, was, was this thing that we revolved around. Sunday, where 20% of the church, at best, has a role and responsibility. Sunday morning, where maybe a handful of gifts are used for the benefit of the rest of the body. Sunday mornings where the message are are more about us than they are about him and they are about them. Sunday mornings where everybody knows my name and everybody's always glad that I came. If you don't know where that's from, it's from Cheers. Go look it up. Listen, the pandemic exposed what and who the church values. Right? The pandemic exposed just how top-heavy we were. Jesus has commissioned all And we all have a response to that commissioning. And how he gave that invitation was through this priesthood, was through this acknowledgement that each and every one of us is called to be priests. Somehow we bought into to that, that Christian professionalism. Leave worship to the professionals. Leave discipleship to the licensed. Leave the preaching to the salaried. Oh, friends, I'm telling you, God is wanting to do a new thing. God is doing a reset across the church, not only in the United States, but globally. He's doing a reset. We see this, I call it a hectic thing because we read it from, from our new covenant kind of understanding, our, our being people of the New Testament, and we look at this, but I, I, I'm, I'm so fearful that we can slip into this or even have slipping into this. And I'm not speaking about us. When I'm saying us, I'm saying the church. We are the church, a united body, a universal body. Listen to this, friends. In Exodus chapter 20, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off. Now I know you and I, if we started seeing this, we would probably run into it. If we start seeing the fire and we know it's God, we're probably going to run into it. But listen to this. Do we really, on a consistent basis, every day of our lives, run towards what God is doing, even if it looks scary? Even if it looks scary. Verse 19, and they said this to Moses. They stood far off and they said this to Moses. You speak to us and we will listen but do not let God speak to us. Doesn't that sound baffling to you? That the people of God would commission Moses 
to go to God on their behalf and then to ask Moses, hey, you speak to us, but don't let God speak to us. They wanted a vicarious relationship with God. They wanted all the benefits from God. They wanted the promised land. They wanted the land of milk and honey. They wanted all of the things that had been promised to them. Except for the thing that they needed the most. God himself. The presence of God. And so the people elected their priest. You go to God on our behalf, and you don't have him speak to us. You speak to us for him. And I know this could sound foreign to us, but, but I, I really want us to really think about how we priest and the role that God has called us to be in this time, right? So Moses said to the people, do not fear God, for God has come to test you, and the fear of him may be before you, and that, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Those two things. The people stood far off while Moses drew near, and the people said, do not let God Speak to us. Friends, when I speak about the priesthood of all believers, I'm speaking about a people who are willing to priest in a way that we go to God intimately. We go to God without fear, personally. And there is no vicarious going through another person. I mean, it's so funny to me to think that that we would ask another sibling to go tell or to go ask something from our father. Have, have your kids ever done that? Like, like one of your kids has favors, so they go, go ask mom and dad and see if they'll do this, right? So when, when, when our first batch was little, it, it was always uh, Chloe because Chloe was the only girl, and she had a, has a special place in daddy's heart. So they would send Chloe, right? And, and, and so now, in the second batch, it's Mackenzie. If, if, if Judah can get Mackenzie, but here's the crazy thing. If I tell Judah to tell something to, to Mackenzie on my behalf, Mackenzie's like, oh, I didn't hear him say it, and you're not the boss of me. So until he says it, I'm not doing it. So that's Mackenzie, right? And it's crazy that, that our children can get that concept like, uh-uh. I don't, want, I don't want secondhand information from you. If my dad's got something to say to me, he's going to say it to me. And, and this is the priesthood. This is the priesthood. We have complete access to hear from the Father because we are priests. And where the church used to use the priests as liaisons to the Father, it no longer exists in the new covenant. We all have complete access, but listen, friends, I, I, and I know we, we, we love this benefit, but do we take the benefit with the responsibility? You see, the priests had responsibility. It wasn't that you just got to go into the presence of God and, and, and experience the glory all for themselves. They, they were experiencing this glory, and they were taking it back to the people. There was a responsibility. Peter says this, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race. Say you're chosen. Look at someone next to you. Tell them they're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're royal. You are royalty. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, which means you belong to God. 
Like there, there's a, have your kids ever acted up and then you say, act like you belong to somebody? I'm a kid. Like, I want to remind them, like, you're my kid. Like, act like you belong to somebody. And I feel like sometimes we need to remember, act like we belong to somebody. We're his very own possession. We're his. Listen, listen, and this is why, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Into the marvelous light. And then it says this, once you were not a people. Once you were not a people, and that's sober. I mean, that'll get us sober. Just think, once we were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we see these two things here. First position, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's very own possession. Listen, our position in sonship and daughtership, co-heirs with Christ with complete access to the Father. This is our position. This is who we are, and no one can take that from us. This is who we are. But then there's a posture. Look at someone next to you and say, posture matters. You see, I think for far too long, the, many, many of the church have, have operated in, in, this, in this position of arrogance, and if you think we're just walking around the world and they're trying to connect with us as a people of God and we're looking down at them and saying, don't you know I'm royal? Don't you know that I'm a priest? I mean, for any of us who have come out of Catholic backgrounds, I mean, there's this like awe of who the priest is who somehow took on the name of father above our father. I, don't, I mean, the arrogance that we can take on but posture matters. Posture matters. How we wear our priesthood matters. And this is how the Apostle Peter reminds us. He says, once you were not a people. That's a reminder. Once we weren't a people, but now you are a people. He says, once you, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Each and every priest has needed the mercy of God. Peter's telling us we have position, but our posture matters. Our posture in this season, church, it matters. Humility is a platform for this freshly anointed priesthood. Humility is a springboard for this freshly anointed priesthood. We would no longer be wearing the garments and the big hats to, to, to let people know who we were on site. We would be a different breed of priesthood. Our predecessors would, would serve for position. We now serve from position. Our predecessors, they were the few and the proud, and we still might be the few, but we're going to be the humble. Our predecessors mastered leading from above. We would perfect the art of serving from below. This is the royal priesthood that I'm talking about. Like Christ, who left heaven for earth. Like Christ, who grew, who, who, who was born and created. Let me rephrase that. Like Christ, who was royalty for eternity, left heaven to the footstool of heaven, earth. Creator becoming created. Serving from below. Like Christ, who washed his disciples' feet. We have been called to serve 
from below. As priests, our primary ministry is to minister to the Lord. Can you say amen to that? We minister to the Lord. Our predecessors would worship in temples, but now we have become the temple. We're a living temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the living temple of God. Our lives will be a life of worship, a life of ministry unto the Lord. When I say ministry, that word is kind of intertwined with the word serve. I love when people say, when I ask, hey, I, I normally when I get into conversations with people about what God's calling them to, I say, hey, what, you know, what do you, what do you think God's calling you to? And a lot of people say, oh, I feel like God's calling me to full-time ministry. So I normally have two answers. My, my, my first answer is, you're not in full-time ministry yet? And my second answer is like, oh, so you love serving. Well, well, yeah, but, you know, ministry, like I want to preach. And I'm like, oh, you want the benefits of being a priest, but the responsibility of ministry is really serving. You know that, right? There's this whole different understanding we have to recognize when it comes to this, this priesthood. Our primary ministry is unto the Lord. Our secondary ministry is to be given to each other. As we know that the priest in the old covenant would minister on behalf of the people, the people of God. They would, they would cleanse themselves on behalf of the people of God so that they can enter a holy place on behalf of the others so that they can, could, could bring sacrifices, holy and acceptable sacrifices for others who weren't able to enter into that place. Those who didn't have access. And now we, we have that opportunity to, to minister to each other and to fill each other's wells and to bring words of encouragement and to be this body that works together. Our predecessors would minister to the Lord on behalf of others. Now everyone has a seat at the table. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a seat at the table. You have a seat at the table. There's a seat at the table Different functions, but equal in value. Foot washers, encouragers, baptizers, disciplers, teachers, preachers, prophets. We all have a seat at the table. But there's a third ministry. and I want to just kind of land with this if I can. This third ministry that we've been given as a priesthood. This is what differentiates us from the old covenant ministry of priests. This is the difference between old and, 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 and new covenant. As we have been called to priest those outside of the people of God. And I, and I wonder how often as a priesthood we are considering those who are not part of the fold. I once heard somebody say that the church is supposed to be the organization that exists for its non-members. And if we are the, the organization that only exists for ourselves and, and we, we are so good at the ministry unto the Lord and so good at the ministry unto each other, there has to be an evolution into this great commission that has been given to the priesthood. Our ministry is called to extend to the outsider, the Gentile, the marginalized, the hurting, the lost. Does our priesthood extend 
beyond our gates, beyond our walls, beyond our comfort zone? Or have we just become so comfortable with the people of God and the presence of God that we are forgetting about those who need it most? You see, I, I, have, I have this value system in my head, friends. In the book of Luke, it says that all heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. All heaven rejoices. And that Jesus himself will leave the 99 who are okay and protected, who he knows are, are, are solidified and safe with, within, within the arms of the Father. He knows they're fine, but he'll leave them for the one The value system that I carry, listen, friends, is that all heaven doesn't rejoice because I show up to church on a Sunday morning. All heaven doesn't rejoice, listen, friends, if I preach on a Sunday morning or if I prophesy on a Sunday morning or, or, or if I worship on a Sunday morning, all heaven rejoices when someone comes into the fold which for me creates an urgency for the church, which for me brings this, this understanding that the priesthood third level of responsibility is more prevalent today than ever because Jesus is coming back sooner than he was yesterday and absolutely sooner than 2,000 years ago. And if that doesn't stir an urgency in our hearts for the people who are dying and lost around us, I don't know what will. But this is, as a priesthood, has to be part of the responsibility that we carry and doesn't only translate on a Sunday morning. It doesn't only translate in our, in our growth groups, in our life groups. You see, this translates 24-7. It translates when you go to, to Trader Joe's. It translates when you, when you go to you know, your, your daily routine. I, I was trying to think of like, you know, La Crescenta places and I was just spaced out. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was, in East LA, it's pretty easy. When you go to the taco truck, it's easy. It's, they're there, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's no longer just about us and the chosen. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. But listen why, friends. Listen why. That you may proclaim the excellence of, excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. This is why we are priests. This is why we are priests. And love that I am chosen. I love that, that I get to call myself royal. I love that I belong to God. But there's a purpose in that. There's a responsibility in that. I believe today that the church needs to release priests like never before. I believe that priests should be operating like, like Navy SEALs in, in the world around us. And, and, and if you want to do it stealthy, do it stealthy. If you want to make big noise, then make big noise. Whatever it takes, God is sending us out. There used to be this, this phrase, military phrase, send in the Marines. And as I told you at the beginning, send in frontiers, send in the people of God, send in the priesthood. Somehow we've bought into, oh, send in the pastor 
or send in. I mean, I have people call me all the time. Hey, you know, you, know, you, want, you want to pray? I said, of course I'll come pray. But you know you could pray too. Well, you don't understand she's sick. Yeah, I understand she's sick. But the Holy Spirit that's in me is the same Holy Spirit that's in you. The Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same one that lives in our temple. Lay hands, bro. Whatever it takes. See, the responsibility is far greater than I think we understand. And if we have a concept of it, we're never going to know the realities of it until we step out in faith. Are we willing to be a priesthood that operates outside of our gates? Are we willing to be the royalty that God has called us to be? Listen to this, this royalty thing, this being children of God, this being, I, I never realized until we adopted our, our first um, two, Judah and Mackenzie, we adopted them at the same time, of what it meant to be adopted into the family of God. I always thought adoption before we adopted was this kind of subservient kind of sonship. You know, just, you know, you always hear about children who have issues when they're adopted and all this stuff and, and like the stigma that, that, that comes with that. When we were adopting Judah McKenzie, it was a long, drawn-out deal. It was like over three years and through foster system and everything else. The day we adopted Judah McKenzie, we were in, in front of the judge and they bring out the Bible, still bring out the Bible in court, which is pretty cool. And they made us swear before God and before the court that these new children that we were adopting into our family would have equal inheritance to our natural children. Now, come on, church. Equal inheritance to our natural children which means there's no differentiating the value of these new children that are being added to our tribe, which means there's no difference in value to the co-heirs with Christ, the firstborn. We have equal value, equal inheritance, equal rights. Friends, let me just ask this. Do we have equal responsibility? Do we have equal responsibility? Jesus commissioned 12 and they turned the world upside down or some one of my friends turned the world right side up. <laughs> 12. There's five, six times that here. Can we turn the world right side up for Jesus? Can we be the priesthood that walks and serves from below like Jesus did so that the, the world can come to know their heavenly father and join in this inheritance that you and I are bathing in. Can you just think about that? We're bathing in this inheritance that God has given us. It's like being in a pool. What do you normally do when you're in the pool and people are not? Get in. It's awesome. No, 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 no. Yes, get in. Some of us are crazy enough to go grab them and throw them in. I'm not suggesting we do that. But this is the priesthood. This is the priesthood. We need to release priests like never before. We need to send in the priests to people and to places. Our posture matters in this season, church. Our posture matters. And I don't believe... I, that, that the Lord was necessarily 
saying that Frontier is struggling in this area, but this is what I do believe. What Frontiers carries, people need. I just saw on the little post from Christian on your guys' social media, it says, bring a friend. What a safe place to bring your friends. What a safe place to bring your friends. That might take some courage. But that's you putting on your priestly role and saying, this priesthood thing isn't just my service to God and service to my church family. It's service to the world outside. I really believe that that's the priesthood that needs to raise in this season. Time's, time's running short, friends. If we look at the writing on the wall and we look at all that's happening in the world, and I don't care about the politics. and I mean, I have, I have ideas about that stuff. But my thoughts about people and my thoughts about eternity far outweigh what's happening on this earth right now. Friends, can we be that priesthood? Can we be that priesthood that focuses so much on the eternal that it doesn't sit right with us, that there's people around us where we tread our feet that aren't going to experience the glory that we're going to experience? Will you guys stand with me real quick?